Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Geologists have said that, and historians have said that, the written language didn't come along until far after the Scriptures began to be written. This has been shown to be untrue, and yet it's still said as if it's a fact. People, people continue to say that there's no way that the Bible began to be written with Moses because there was no written language when Moses was alive. Through the history of the world, you see uh, 2,000 years from the creation of the world to the flood and then Abraham. And 500 years after Abraham, you have Moses. So about 1500 B.C. is when you have Moses and the people of Israel there in Egypt. And if you look at the first five books of the Bible, often called the Pentateuch, uh, scholars say... That book was not written by Moses. There's no possible way because there was no writing. Uh, this is a foolish statement. Number one, I believe there was writing before the flood. I also believe there was writing as they were building the Tower of Babel. Um, but after the Tower of Babel, things got a whole lot harder when it came to the written language because what happened at the Tower of Babel? All the, la- the languages were confused. And so everything had to start over again. Uh, there had to be a starting over of, of the built-up intelligence. And so uh, there was written language, but there was not a whole lot of it yet. And then 500 years after that, we have Moses. And he was a man who, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the Scriptures. Now, I would also argue that the book of Job was written before that. I believe the book of Job was written along the lines and along the time frame of Abraham, um, who was about 400 years before Moses. Uh, not, uh, but before Moses. And so, as you look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you have the written Word of God, which Moses has given to the people. And from the inception of the written Word of God... You have had a people who have loved God's Word. If there's one thing that I would plead with God to do in our assembly is that we would want to be a people who love God's Word. Who have an intimacy with God's Word. The word intimacy means to know. Brethren, We ought to know God's Word. Not like we might know a famous actor, but to know it, to know God's precious Word intimately. To know it in such a way that we say, I love God's Word. As you come to know God's Word, you will see God work in your life and in the lives of others in mighty ways. There is so many things that I began to see God do and work in my life 
After I got saved, I went out and I had a Bible and I began to read that Bible. I began to go to church. I began to go to Bible studies. I began to go to a Wednesday service at my college. I took summers to learn the Word of God particularly, where there were meetings every day with one particular purpose, to give the Word of God so that I could learn it. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he used to go to the meetings, I'm so jealous, with J. Vernon McGee back out in California. He would have meetings every day, and he'd fill churches, he'd read the Bible, And he'd preach the Bible and teach the Bible. And that's all he did. He didn't have PowerPoint presentations. He didn't try to pull in some kind of movie to make his point. He would teach the plain Word of God. And hundreds of people would come on a Thursday to hear the Word of God. Hundreds of people would come during the week. They'd get out of work and they'd come to hear the Word of God. They so desire to know what the Word of God says. Brethren, we live in a Laodicean age in America. We have so much that we miss out on the things that are precious. The Word of God is more precious than gold, yea, even fine gold. We're hard-pressed to do any learning of the Word of God. As God's people, we are hard-pressed to really do any learning of the Word of God. We find ourselves proud if we've made it to church on Sunday morning to learn the Word of God and say, Boy, I'm glad I came. I learned a little something. We do not live in an age where hundreds of people will come to hear just the plain teaching of the Word of God. This is sad for our society and it's had its impact on our society, hasn't it? And here's why. Not because the unsaved are unwilling to learn the Word of God, but because the saved don't know enough of it to teach the unsaved. The unsaved don't have the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'd like to start a Bible study and teach some folks at my workplace what the Bible says if they'd like to. You're not going to make them. But to give the opportunity, but we as a church, as Christian people in this world today, we would be too afraid because we'd say, I don't know enough. Brethren, the only reason we don't know is because we have not learned. If you have a job today, it's very likely at some point you were asked to teach something about your job to someone else. And you were confident in teaching that thing because you had learned how to do it. And because you have continued in it for so long. Some people, they begin the Word of God and they learn so much, but then they stop learning. You know, I've been this summer especially with my son. I so want to teach him how to play baseball. I want him to know how to slide. I want him to know how to hit. I want him to know. I want him to know how to throw, and I want him to know how to do all these things. And I play softball through the years, but I'm far away from playing baseball. And I found myself at certain times saying, "I really don't know 
how to teach my son this particular skill. I'd like him to know how to pitch, but I'm not sure, very sure of doing it. And we're at his uh, game yesterday and a man was there and I used to play Little League with him. And he said something that was embarrassing to me, not because it wasn't particularly true or because I'm filled with humility, uh, but because I can't remember how to go back and teach what I used to do pretty well. He said, he said to my son, your dad, when he was in Little League, boy, that guy could pitch. What's wrong? Well, I am several decades away from being able to sit, get on a mound and really throw the ball the way I used to. And so there are folks who learned the Bible when they were young or younger, but now they've gotten to the place where they have no confidence in teaching the Word of God because it's been so long. May it not be so anymore. Every service... We have at our church, we teach the Word of God. It's precious. And it must be learned. Not so the pastor can teach, but so that every soul, every Christian who hears can teach. And God has something for you to do. Not just to absorb, but to give. And the Word of God is amazing. There is no book like this book. A book that was written by over 40 men. And though they are the ones who wrote the words down, it was God who was the author. And it's proven by the fact that even though there are so many, the book works together perfectly. With no contradiction. With no one man said this, Moses said this, but Joshua said this. It all works together leading to Jesus Christ. This book was written over a period of 1,500 years. And today, even though it's not in the original languages, the book you read is in English. Praise the Lord that it's been translated so that we can know the Word of God. Even though it's not in the original Hebrew nor the Greek We have the Word of God. And you know why we're able to translate this Bible so confidently? Because unlike any other book that has ever been written in antiquity, this book has been copied over and over and over and over and over again in the thousands. No book is like it. There has been no book where you have copies like this book until the printing press. Not until in even several hundred years after the printing press, you do not have the number of copies of any book like this book. In fact, you can go to the point back in the 1500s where they were doing the copying of books by the printing press and you will not find other books other than the Bible in its numerity and how many there are. It wasn't, it's not really until the 1800s where you can still go back and say, well, there's still thousands of copies of this book from the 1800s. And so don't be fooled by the people who want to say there's no way that you can know that this book is what it actually said back then. Because this book is unlike any other book. You can have and do have 
the Word of God in its very jots and tittles if you have a Bible. I don't want to get in translations today, but in particular the King James Bible. This book, this book is God's preserved Word and He has blessed us And yet, how valuable is it to us? Is it valuable enough for us to wake up in the morning and read it? Is it valuable enough to us that we memorize it? Literally put it to memory where we can remember what the words say. I say this many times. People will say, I cannot memorize. And though, of course, that's not true. There are many things that you have memorized. I can agree with you when it comes to the Scripture. For no spiritual thing can be done apart from God. But with God, what can you do? All things. things. There is nothing that you cannot do if you have Christ helping you. Amen? So with God, can you memorize Scripture? Yes. Yes. Is it valuable enough to spend some time thinking about it? Is it valuable enough to take it with you to work? Is it valuable enough to be willing to speak these words to another person when they ask you? Why at lunchtime you spend time reading the Bible? Brethren, when this book, when, when this book was finished, with the book of Revelation. The way that people got this book into the hands of other people is that one man would have to take one of the books and painstakingly write it. Copy it word for word. They would then take their copy and give it to someone to bring to another church so that they would have a copy in where they began the work of copying it. And I want you to know, when they had a copy of a particular book of Scripture, how valuable was it to them? It was of the utmost importance. When there was danger of being cast out of the city because you were a Christian, what did you take? You took the scrolls. You took the books because it was precious. Because it was the Word of God. And yet we today, if we were to ask the stupid question, if you were deserted on an island, what would you have? If you were to say the Bible, would you just be saying it tokenly? Would you really want the Bible? If you're not reading it now, why would you want it then? If you're not learning it now, why would you want it then? The Word of God is precious. More valuable than gold. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses, by the inspiration of God, says this, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all His statutes, His commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that thou might increase mightily as the Lord thy Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto their children, to thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and when thou and thou shalt bind them for a sign on thy head, and thou shalt be as frontlets in thy eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. Did they have writing in the days of Moses? They were able to write on the posts. And they would write these things and copy these things so that they might know the Word of God and so they might teach the Word of God. Who was the first ones whom they taught? Their children. If you have a child today, please do not say that you cannot teach the Word of God. There's only one reason why. Because you haven't learned it. But I tell you the truth. If you spent one half hour not just reading this book, but considering what it's saying, will you have something to teach your children? You could teach the Word of God by spending one half hour studying the Scripture in a similar way as to the way you studied in high school. And then you did it to get an A. But now you do it because of how precious it is, is precious it is for you and your children. I remember when I first started doing Bible study in the evening, me and Wayne get together. He'd drop his, he'd drop, uh, his son off at the uh, school next door because he was doing the Boy Scouts. He'd come over and we'd do Bible study. I appreciated that. It was helpful for me. Tell you what, if you're going to teach something, you better learn it, right? One thing to motivate you to learn something is to know you got to teach it. I'm telling you, you got to teach it. And so learn it. God's given us the Word of God to transform our lives. I cannot tell you how many things God has transformed in my life. For the Word of God is, is living. What is that word in the Scripture? Quick. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit of the joint. It divides the joints and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I cannot tell you how many times God has changed my life because of the Word of God. He has literally molded me into a different person than whom I once was because of the Word of God. And this purpose is so necessary. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. But you know what the scripture says before that? Laying aside all malice, all filthiness. You know what the God did in my life? And I'm sure you could testify the same. He changed your life because of the word of God. Not simply because of the example of some other person, but because the example of some other person led them to teach me. 
And there have been many things that I've been taught through the Word of God. I remember, and I still happen to be this way. I'm not often an optimist, but I remember the man who had given me the gospel so faithfully and taught me the Word of God. He said, John, you are pessimistic. You don't think anything's ever going to work out the way it work out good. And I couldn't argue with him. He said, this is what we're going to do. Every time you're pessimistic, I'm going to punch you. I'm going to tell all your friends to punch you too. We're going to call it a pessimistic punch. I don't know where he got that from. I don't know if he was praying. But I want you to know with that, he gave me the scripture that God can do all things. That Christ is capable of anything. Now some people, they put it, they, they claim these things for their sports teams. Brother, I want you to know, Jesus Christ can do much more than win a Super Bowl. That's right. And what are you going to do if one guy's claiming that verse on one team and the other guy's claiming it on the other? Right? Somebody's failed the promise of God except this. God has a greater promise. He wants to use you for His glory in this world. You with me? You guys here? I'm tired. I need to tell you. I don't know. My wife does it. I wake up for about two minutes every time the baby cries, and I'm getting to the place now where I'm pretty sure I'm ignoring that and sleeping right through. Right? And uh, But my wife's waking up every three hours. I don't know if she does it. I'm tired. She's here with a smile. God bless you, baby. Praise the Lord for the little ones. Looking forward to the day where she slips all the way through the night. may not come for a little while. But listen. Listen, please. God wants to use you. God, God wants to use the, the key men in the church. But yeah. But I'm not one of those key men. God just wants me to live. God wants to use you. In order for him to do that, you have to be willing to learn and apply his word. You with me? Amen. Oh, there's certain ladies in the church. They know the word of God. God wants to use them. Praise God for those ladies. The scripture says, Older ladies teach the younger ladies. It always saddens me when a young lady is, is given the opportunity, or a young man, to learn the Word of God. They say, I'd like to sit down with you and teach you the Word of God. Oh, I, 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 no. That's what it ultimately comes down to. It's sad. I'm so glad that people have taught me the Word of God and continue to teach me the Word of God. If someone says, I'd like to teach you the Word of God, don't say no. Say, when can we do it? Why? Because God's Word is precious. And you cannot go wrong by knowing more of the Word of God. You can stray terribly by not knowing enough. By not being confident enough. By not having enough in memory to keep you from the sins and the terror of this world. And so the scripture says here in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And many people look at that and they say to themselves, what does that mean? How can I do such a thing? And the truth is, in this world, we will fall short of what God commands us to do here. God didn't say, love me with half your heart or even 90%. He said what? All your heart, right? How many of the Jews failed to keep that commandment? They all did, right? But I want you to notice in verse 6, he says, And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And so, what is the connection between loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the Word? He gave us the Word that we might love Him. What is the key to loving God more? Knowing His Word and keeping it more. Are you with me? I know I whispered that. Did you hear it? Knowing God's Word and keeping it more. Here's the amazing thing. God has given us a relationship with Him whereby we know Him and He helps us love Him. We cannot love Him without Him. We love Him because of Him. In fact, the Scripture says, we don't love Him first, we love Him because He first loved us. Right? And so we learn the Word of God, and we learn to do the Word of God by His grace, because He is with us and has not forsaken us. But when we forsake His Word, we forsake Him. It is a fallacy in the world today that says, I can love God, but not love His Word. I can know God, but not know His Word. This is so untrue. You will not love God unless you know His Word. What does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, at that, I want to stop there just a moment. But what a relationship God has with Before anything was ever created, there was a relationship between God the Father and God the Word. And we think that we can can have a relationship without God the Word when God Himself has a relationship with God the Word. Are you with me? That makes sense. What does it say? And the Word was with God. What does He mean by that? That's a relational term, isn't it? He's not just talking about they were in the same space or the same general area. There was no space when he's saying these things, right? In the beginning, there was no space. Space was created by God. Time, space, matter, all got created by God in a moment. But before space was, there was God the Father with God the Word. And then it says, and the Word was God. Jesus is that word. We will not know God. We will not have an intimate relationship with God without the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.15 These are all scriptures that you've heard 
very likely many times if you've been here for a, a little while. Paul is speaking to Timothy here and he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, woman of God, the person of God may be perfect. Truly furnished unto all good works. He says that it is by knowing the word of God that you can be made perfect. What does that mean? Well, there is the work of sanctification that God is doing in our lives where he is making us more and more like Jesus. This is what we call practical sanctification in which God is working to make us more like Jesus. Now, if you're saved today, I want you to know also that there is a sanctification that says that you already have been made perfect by the blood of Christ. How do we know that? Because the moment you die, you will go to heaven and you'll be able to stay there, right? You'll be able to stay there. You've been made perfect even if you died now. And you say, I'm not perfect yet. But if you died right now, you went to heaven, you're going to be able to stay there? Because you've been made perfect by Christ. But if you're honest, and and we ought to be, none of us are perfect, right? None of us are just like Jesus. Jesus is perfect. None of us are just like Him. And so, there is that perfection, but I want you to notice what it says, because the Word of God is so good at defining itself. What do you mean by that? He says, what I mean by perfect is truly furnished. Unto all good works. What does that mean? As you continue faithfully in the Word of God, you will be furnished with everything you need to do every work that God has for you to do. Did you know God that has preordained works for you to do? Right? What does Ephesians 2 say? And turn there with me. Ephesians 2. Not of works, lest any man should boast, right? For by grace you save through faith, not of works. Uh, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? For we are His workmanship in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How are we going to be able to walk in these, in these works, God? By being thoroughly furnished. How are you going to be thoroughly furnished? By continuing in my word. What works do you have for me to do? It is going to have to do with the Word of God. There is going to be doing good works. But why would we do good for someone and not give them the Word of God? Why would we feed a person who is hungry but not then give them the Word of God? They would go to hell with a full stomach. How shall they believe without a preacher? Who is that preacher? The preacher is the one who knows the Word of God. And that's not just me. You can be the one who give glad tidings of good news. Amen? You guys with me? Oh, may God help us to love the Word of God. 
when you have an opportunity to hear the Word of God, don't say no. Say yes. I'll be honest with you. I remember when after I had gotten saved, I was encouraged. I was asked, I said, why don't you come to service tonight with us? And I thought to myself, there are some other things I'd like to do instead. But I thought to myself then, that doesn't make any sense. What's more valuable? What you could do or go to church and hear the Word of God? I know this. It was much more valuable. I got into the habit of saying yes. I encourage you to get into the habit of saying yes. I want to learn the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Why? Because God wants you to love Him. God wants you to know Him. And God wants you to live so that others may know Him too. And God wants you to be used by Him to do that. You with me? Amen. God help us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You know, I believe the first thing that a person does after getting saved is being scripturally identified with Christ. For me, and I believe this is scripturally true, that means to be baptized. But I tell you what, right behind that is beginning to learn the Word of God. When should a Christian start learning the Word of God? How about day one? Amen? Day one. Not day two. Not a year later. Day one. And if you've been saved in the past few weeks, God wants you to learn the Word of God. It's more important than anything. When it comes to knowing God, it's more important. There are many things. But it begins with learning the Word of God. You want to learn to pray? Learn the Word of God. You want to learn to evangelize, learn the Word of God. You want to learn what sins you need to confess? Learn the Word of God. You want to learn what it means to fellowship with other believers? Learn the Word of God. I plead with you. Would you pray with me for revival in the Word of God as God's people that we would love His Word in the quietness of the moment? Be brave. And ask God to stir you in such a way that you can love the Word of God. Don't be, don't be afraid to where you say, I can't ask that because if I do that, God may say for me to do a particular thing. I've been there. Be brave. He may. He may say that instead of not reading the Bible every morning, He wants you to read the Bible every morning. He may say instead of not reading the Scripture and studying the Scripture... Uh, instead of watching a TV show, you do. And then once you hear God say that in your heart, then you're either obeying or not obeying. Don't be afraid for God to speak and say, this is what I'd like you to do. Obey me in this. And maybe come to church. Be faithful to learning the Word of God as we assemble. Maybe God wants us to start a particular Bible study and He wants you to be there. 
Maybe it's God wants you to be the leader of the Bible study. But don't be afraid to ask God. 